Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about the difference between being facetious, sarcastic, and sardonic, and a meaty middle about an unusual type of sentence called a cleft sentence. But first, I have a correction and an announcement. In last week's episode about whether it's okay to call ships she, we said that Noah's Ark from the Bible was gender neutral, and it but I got multiple messages from learned people, including a PhD and a rabbi, who told me that although the Ark is referred to as it in the English translation, in Hebrew, the word used for Ark is feminine and takes feminine verbs and pronouns. I thought that was super interesting, so I'm passing it on to all of you, and it shows how detailed and subtle the choices are that translators make every day. Next, I have a webinar coming up. I'm working with Reagan.com to do an advanced AP-style training session with a live Q&A at the end. I'll cover tricky apostrophe rules, advanced comma rules, new additions to the AP-style book, common questions such as whether a cat in a tree is a she, it, or he, and more. The webinar is on Thursday, September 13th from 1 to 2.30 Central Time, and will also be recorded so you can watch it later if you can't make it at that date and time. To learn more and sign up, go to bit.ly slash grammarwebinar. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash grammarwebinar. And now, on to the quick and dirty tip. A listener named Carrie asked, What's the difference between facetious, sarcastic, and sardonic. Facetious, sarcastic, and sardonic all have similar meanings, and in practice, many people use them interchangeably. But I'm sure enterprising teenagers, comedians, and political commentators can find uses for all three kinds of comments. The roots of the words may help you remember which is which. Facetious comes from a Latin word that means jest. A facetious comment is a joking comment, often an inappropriate joking comment. Think of a jester or a joker making a funny face at you. And remember, the first part of facetious is spelled face, F-A-C-E. Sarcastic comes from a Greek word that means to speak bitterly or to sneer. Ouch. A sarcastic response is less funny than a facetious response and more bitter and harsh. Think of a sarcastic person sneering at you, and remember that both words, sneer and sarcastic, start with the letter S. 
Sardonic also starts with S, but some dictionaries actually list sardonic as a synonym for sarcastic. But sardonic still has an interesting history. Try to associate it with the Greek island of Sardinia, because the Greeks coined the word sardonic from the name of that island, which is now part of Italy. A plant was said to grow on Sardinia that, if eaten, would force a person's face muscles into a grimacing smile. Not a smile of happiness, but a smile of pain. A sardonic smile. Scientists in Italy recently reported that they believe a Sardinian plant called water celery is the lethal herb the Greeks had in mind. Sardonic means cutting, cynical, and disdainful, and is often used to describe a kind of humor. So that's your quick and dirty tip. These comments aren't sweet or earnest, but a sarcastic comment and a sardonic comment are more sneering and are both meaner than a facetious comment, which is more like a quip you'd hear from a jester whose face is behind a mask. And now on to cleft sentences. A listener named Brenda wrote, I have a pet peeve. It's the way people splice two sentences, as in, what we did was we went to the store to buy a new tool. I first noticed this in my work as a communications coordinator at a community college in northern Ontario in the mid-1990s, and it seemed to be adopted readily from that time. Well, Brenda, linguists refer to the type of sentence you're describing as clefting. A cleft sentence is two rearranged sentences that could be expressed by one clause. Before we get to the details about cleft sentences, though, it'll help to go over an interesting phenomenon called topicalization. In a general sense, it's a movement or transformation that many languages use, to varying degrees, to highlight or emphasize a certain part of the sentence. For example, we can say, I have seen many movies. Or, to emphasize the movies, we can say, there are many movies I have seen. Or even just, many movies I have seen. The first sentence, I have seen many movies, uses the most common English sentence structure in which direct objects, the movies, come after their verbs, in this case, see. But movement permits the word order to change. And for some constructions, movement is required for example, for many questions in English, we have to switch the subject with the auxiliary verb, unlike Spanish and many other languages that primarily use rising intonation to form questions. In other words, you know it's a question because the speaker's voice rises at the end of the sentence. Some languages tend to topicalize more than others, like French. For example, in English, to say we like fish a lot, we might say, I really like fish. You could say this in French, too, but French speakers may find it more natural to make use of topicalization here and say, le poisson j'aime bien, which, forgive my pronunciation, which is ordered fish I like. It's not that we can't also say fish I like in English, but we're more likely to go with the original order. Or it might need more context in English to feel natural, like in this example, which creates contrast. I do like tofu, but fish I really like. You can think of topicalization as being a way to move something to the front of a sentence in order to make it the main topic of the sentence, which helps your listeners focus on it. 
French speakers topicalize more often than English speakers, even when they don't need to add emphasis. Languages just have different patterns. Getting back to cleft sentences, it's also important to know that clefting follows unconscious rules, meaning we can't move words around willy-nilly. Any of you who've learned a second or third language as an adult have probably had to memorize some of the rules and restrictions, along with memorizing words. Some words, in some sentences, can't be separated during movement, or if they are, the result doesn't make sense. For example, you can say, Matt is wondering whether the tomatoes are ripe, or whether the tomatoes are ripe is what Matt is wondering, but you can't say, tomatoes are ripe is what Matt is wondering whether the. Okay, now it's important to mention here that language is generated from a finite number of words into an infinite number of possible sentences, allowing us to create and understand brand new sentences every day automatically. We don't memorize the sentences we say. How does this help us understand Brenda's question? Let's go back to her original example. What we did was we went to the store to buy the new tool. Brenda's example is generally considered a type of cleft construction. A common cleft construction in English is, it was the butler who committed the murder. Another type of cleft is this one, what I meant to say was that I don't want you to leave. In Brenda's example, the speaker likely produced a cleft sentence in order to highlight the fact of finding the solution to the problem, instead of highlighting what the solution was. Let's imagine a possible context. Imagine that the listener of this sentence had first said, What did you do? Did you get the job done with the broken tool? Borrow a new tool? Then the answer was, nope. What we did was, we went to the store to buy the new tool, and then we were able to finish the project on time. Another possibility is that the sentence was used to initiate a story with several additional steps, like this. What we did was, we went to the store to buy the new tool. We stopped by Cece's house to get the rest of the materials, and then we raced home and finished the project just in time. The fact that context is important shows that our unconscious decision to cleft or topicalize are often governed by pragmatics, a term that refers to the context of a conversation. The need to make ourselves clear can be affected by the conversation, the situation, the speakers, and other factors. One thing that's interesting about Brenda's example is that it has the subject we twice for the same action. This may be what caught Brenda's attention. That person could have said, what we did was go to the store to buy a new tool. However, there are a number of reasons a person might say, we went, instead of go. Perhaps the rest of the story was in the past tense, so the speaker wanted to say, what we did was, we went to the store to buy the new tool, then we finished the project. You get the idea. Also, saying the we twice lends a less formal air to the sentence, so some English speakers may go with that construction for style, something linguists call register. Now there's one more fun question to address. Brenda said, I first noticed this in my work as a communications coordinator at a community college in Northern Ontario in the mid-1990s, and it seemed to be adopted readily from that time. We're now also in the realm of sociolinguistics and also historical linguistics. 
Linguists often study a corpus, that's a collection of language samples, sometimes recordings, which may have written transcriptions, and sometimes written language samples, like collections of newspaper articles, to figure out, for example, when, where, and by which speakers a construction started. Clefting and similar movement types have been in English for a very long time, and not just in Canada. But without detailed linguistic research, we can't really know for sure when the cleft that Brenda noticed began. But sometimes old constructions do catch our attention suddenly. All spoken languages are in a constant state of change, but most changes happen slowly, over centuries. This is how Latin got transformed into Italian, Spanish, French, Portuguese, and Romanian. This is also why we don't talk at all the way Shakespeare's characters spoke hundreds of years ago. Trying to prevent languages from steering off in a new direction is a bit like insisting that fashion remain fixed, so that our style of clothing never changes at all. However, there's one interesting phenomenon about clefts that has been documented. One study found that clefting is contagious. Two linguists conducted research on a corpus of New Zealand conversations and found that people were likely to cleft a lot more when other speakers around them did. Have you ever noticed that when you travel to a place where people speak your language differently, like a different country or city, you may start to pick up their spoken mannerisms and expressions to your surprise? Some people from the northern United States say that when they visit the southern U.S., they start saying y'all after a few days practically against their will. This is part of an amazing phenomenon called accommodation. Speakers are known to pick up the style of other speakers by way of unconsciously attempting to make ourselves understood or to establish a sense of friendliness and solidarity with other speakers. Accommodation can also affect your pronunciation and the way your voice rises up and down. Even from moment to moment without traveling, we sometimes change these subtleties to ensure successful communication with people who speak differently than we do, but we don't usually do it on purpose. In closing, did Brenda discover a language trend in Canada that spread like wildfire? Probably not. But it's very possible that the group she was interacting with tended to cleft at a higher rate than other groups. Also, it's tempting to perceive a way of speaking that we haven't heard before as bothersome or wrong because it deviates from what we know. But such variations are inevitable and usually serve a purpose. What it might take to find out that purpose is a linguist. That segment was written by Sayel Graves, who has a PhD in linguistics. You can read more about her at SyelGraves.com. That's S-Y-E-L-L-E Graves.com. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. I've had a frustrating week, so an extra special thank you to the nice reviews you wrote this week. You really helped me feel better. Grandma Bertha, who listens while putting on her makeup in the morning, or while puttering and tidying up the house. And JMP Dude, who's been listening for all 12 years of the podcast and listens on Saturdays while doing chores around the house. And also a shout out to Shelly, who listens while driving in the car. That's all. Thanks for listening. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.